Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the georgine rice show podcast this program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 kpdq we hope you enjoy the show hey good afternoon and welcome to the thursday edition of the georgine rice show james blend is producing sam mop and engineering today's program we'll hear from dr greg jans his book rebuilding trust after betrayal And we'll take a look at the marriage bill and what Tony Perkins is saying about it as an invitation to persecution. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, more than a week after Election Day, Republicans appear to have finally clinched enough seats to narrowly win back control of the U.S. House of Representatives, setting up the chamber to serve as a political uh, foil to President Joe Biden for at least the next two years and giving the GOP an opportunity to begin setting its playing field ahead of the critical 2024 campaign. Now, I know we just finished an election and the thought of concentrating on the one to come is a bit overwhelming, but it's inevitable unless the Lord returns first. I'm going for that. Anyway, with uh, such a razor thin majority, California Representative Kevin McCarthy, the Republican nominee for House Speaker, will have uh, little room to maneuver and he will likely be vulnerable to challenges from members uh, from his left and his right who disapprove of his leadership. You don't have to you don't have any margin for error when the numbers are this small and smaller groups of people can demand to be treated as uh, negotiating fractions, says one senior fellow at the Government Affairs Institute at Georgetown University. Right now, trying to govern the Republicans on a small margin in the House is just uh, feels like a ticket to an exit from D.C., he went on to say. I don't get the sense that McCarthy is going to have a pleasant time trying to wrangle the circus, end quote. Well, in the lead up to Election Day, some strategists suggested that Republicans could pick up 20 and possibly more than 30 House seats. But it quickly became clear on Tuesday night that Republicans underperformed with Republican Representative Mike Garcia's win in California's 27th congressional district on Wednesday. Republicans appeared to have won their 218th seat, the number needed to control the 435 seat chamber, according to a projection By the Associated Press, the results were slowed in coming in part because of a slew of tight races around the country, slow vote counting in western states, including California, Arizona and Nevada. Democrats will maintain control of the Senate after incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto was declared the winner over Republican Adam Laxalt in Nevada on Saturday. And Republicans could keep a 50 50 tie in the Senate if... And that's a big if at this point. Republican Herschel Walker is able to flip a seat in a uh, in a December uh, runoff, um, yet another Georgia runoff. But the uh, vice president, Kamala Harris, will serve as the tiebreaker. So you know how that will go with control of the House. uh, Republicans are expected to use their power to try to block much of the president's remaining agenda. They're also expected to cast a more watchful eye on federal spending, wield their oversight authority, launch investigations into things like COVID-19's origin, the politicization of the FBI, the botched Afghanistan withdrawal, 
uh, gas prices, the continued crisis at the southern border. The Republican House may also try to pass legislation intended to fight inflation, secure the border, reestablish American energy independence, support the hiring of more police officers around the country, confront big tech and wean the country off the dependence on China. But with Democrats in control of the Senate and the presidency, most Republican legislation will go nowhere. And with such a narrow majority, McCarthy may have uh, to shrink his agenda and focus his efforts on uh, legislation alone that will get broad Republican support, including from moderates and members of um, the party on uh, his right. In some places, lawmakers are okay with allowing a measure they disagree with to pass as long as they can vote against it. But if you have a 220 uh, number of seats in the House, uh, you're going to need all of them all the time to win whatever uh, you're trying to pass. The baseline assumption should always be that the status quo is going to persist and that it, um, that will be the Trump tax cuts. It will also be the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, observers are also pointing out. So at least one question is answered and still others uh, yet to be resolved. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced today that she will step down from her leadership role after two decades in the post. I will not seek reelection to Democratic leadership in the next Congress, the speaker said. The first female speaker added that she will continue to represent the people of San Francisco in the House. So she will serve out the remainder of this term. Well, the California lawmaker will relinquish her position as head of the Democratic caucus, which she held for 19 years to make way for a new generation to lead. With her leadership still in high demand in her party, Pelosi will likely help manage her successor's transition as an informal coach. Uh, She's expected to become a de facto custodian of Democratic power in the chamber while the party adjusts to minority status. It was anticipated that Pelosi would update the public about her uh, plans for her political career after House control flipped to the GOP on Wednesday Uh, That was in the evening with Representative Mike Garcia's win in California. Speaker Pelosi has been uh, overwhelmed by calls from colleagues, friends and supporters. Her deputy chief of staff, uh, Drew Hamill, said late Wednesday, more than a week after election, Garcia's win guaranteed the GOP that 218th seat. This evening, the speaker monitored returns in the three remaining critical races. The speaker plans to address her future plans tomorrow to her colleagues. Stay tuned, Hamill said yesterday. As the numbers shifted, the political veteran reportedly took home two versions of a speech Wednesday night uh, preparing for what happened today. In the next Congress, House Democrats will continue to play a leading role in supporting President Biden's agenda with strong leverage over a scant Republican majority, Pelosi said in a statement on Wednesday. Earlier this month, she said that the brutal attack on her husband, Paul Pelosi, is weighed on her as she deliberated whether or not to retire in October, the conspiracy theorist um, violently assaulted Paul Pelosi, leaving him with a head injury that required emergency surgery, surgery, she said at the time. The lunatic, how she described the assailant, demanded to know the whereabouts of the Democratic House Speaker after breaking into the couple's San Francisco home. I have to say my decision will be affected about what happened the last week or two, uh, the first female speaker told CNN at that time. Well, the speaker uh, detailed how police broke the news of the traumatic incident to her in the early hours of the morning when she was thousands of miles away from her California residence. Immediately, she worried that her children or grandchildren had been harmed. I was asleep in Washington. I had just gotten in the, the night before from San Francisco and I hear the doorbell ring. And of course, the announcement was made. Paul Pelosi is expected to make a full recovery. Speaker Pelosi 
will be stepping down from leadership, but will retain her position in the House as a representative of San Francisco. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I want to remind you, the Portland Singing Christmas Tree is celebrating its 60th season this year, and the music is spectacular. You can bring the family to see this wonderful holiday tradition. In its 60th year, the tree opens on Saturday, November 26th, for two weekends only at Sunset Church on Northwest Cornell Road in Portland, featuring uh, Timothy Greenwich, Miss America, Katie Harmon, uh, Courtney Greenwich, and I have a chance to sing along with them as well, Aaron Tamlin. Uh, the concert brings the sights and sounds of Christmas while sharing the reason for the season. Details and tickets can be found at kpdq.com. What a great celebration. I went to the first rehearsal on Monday night and heard the choir for the first time since they've been rehearsing for weeks. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. I'll just leave it at that. Well, a key House committee is going to investigate the overseas business dealings of President Joe Biden and his family when Republicans take over January 3rd, according to GOP lawmakers. The Biden family business dealings implicate a wide range of criminality from human trafficking to potential violations of the Constitution. So says Representative James Comer, a Republican from Kentucky, expected to become the next chairman of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, said at a press conference held the day after Republicans officially gained the 218th seat needed to win the House. Comer added, in the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. I want to be clear, this is an investigation of Joe Biden, and that's where the committee will focus in this next Congress. Comer said Republicans on the Oversight Committee have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the president's family, Biden family members uh, under scrutiny, including the president's son, Hunter Biden, and his brother, James Biden, and the Kentucky Republic, uh, Kentucky Republicans said possible crimes include conspiracy or defrauding the United States, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, violations of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, tax evasion, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Well, Comer uh, highlighted two items found on Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop computer, a map of the U.S. written in Chinese and an email about related D.C. office space that includes the names of the president, First Lady Jill Biden, and the president's brother. Representative Jim Jordan, an outspoken critic of the Biden family's known business dealings in China, Ukraine and other countries, has led the charge to investigate the first family, notably Hunter Biden. Well, during that same press conference, Jordan discussed major media outlets premature dismissal of the contents of the laptop, which the younger Biden, now 52, left at a Delaware repair shop in April of 2019, but never reclaimed. So gives you a glimpse of one of the priorities in the coming Congress. If you thought the end of uh, hearings was coming, well, apparently not in the House. When Republicans do secure that um, majority on January the 3rd, there are a number of other investigations they're likely to uh, to take up. I mentioned Hunter Biden uh, and beyond, but the border crisis. Republicans say they're also planning to hold the Biden administration accountable for the crisis of rampant illegal immigration across the southern border 
We will also continue our oversight of President Biden's border crisis that has led to historic illegal immigration, a surge of deadly drugs pouring across the border and mismanagement of taxpayer dollars. Uh, Comer said uh, in his written statement, we will hold the Biden administration accountable for this self-inflicted crisis. Well, according to the Department of Homeland Security, Mexican cartels income from smuggling illegal immigrants across the U.S. border soared from five hundred million dollars in 2018 to 13 billion dollars in 2022, a twenty five hundred percent jump. Border Patrol agents uh, apprehended nine hundred and fifty one thousand five hundred sixty eight Uh, Immigrants crossing into the country illegally during President Donald Trump's final 19 months in office, but caught 3.5 million in Biden's first 19 months as president, a 377 percent increase. They're also likely to probe big tech. Representative um, Kathy McMorris Rogers from uh, the state of Washington, likely the incoming chairwoman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, has said the House uh, Republicans' big tech accountability platform would focus on China. Specifically, GOP lawmakers would focus on how tech companies such as Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Google allow data to go to China. Companies with deep ties to China raise significant concerns about China's access to American information, the memo from the McMorris-Rogers uh, to fellow GOP uh, members Say, adding to address this concern, we will consider new transparency obligations, such as requiring companies to notify American users if those companies send, maintain or store their personal information in China, requiring companies to notify American users if those companies are owned by the Chinese Communist Party, a Chinese state owned entity or a non state owned entity located in China. There's also likely to be some investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Comer, the likely incoming chairman, uh, said that the uh, House Oversight and Reform Committee also would investigate the origins of COVID-19. The probe would focus on three key facts, the Kentucky Republican said. First, the panel would examine growing evidence that the novel coronavirus that caused COVID-19 likely originated in a research lab in Wuhan, China, and that the Communist Party of China covered it up. Secondly, Comer said oversight Republicans would focus on whether U.S. taxpayer dollars were funneled to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to conduct risky experimental research on bat coronaviruses. This also is known as gain of function. And third, Comer said the committee would explore whether Dr. Anthony Fauci, the retiring director of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, was aware of this information at the start of the pandemic. And he said the panel would investigate whether Fauci or other federal officials acted to conceal facts and intentionally downplay the lab leak theory. Another area, the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Republicans say that they also intend to investigate the Biden administration's hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan in August of 21. In late October, Republicans on the House Oversight Committee raised concerns about the uh, administration's being uncooperative with an official known as uh, the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Congress created the post as well as the office by the same name. Comer and Representative Glenn Grotham from Wisconsin, ranking members of the committee's subcommittee on national security, wrote to Special Inspector General John Sopko to inquire about access. Uh, On two separate occasions, you have informed the committee that the Biden administration is obstructing your work by failing to produce required information. This is unacceptable. Uh, says the letter to Sopko, who was appointed in 2020 and 2012, rather, by President um, 
Barack Obama. The chaotic U.S. exit from Afghanistan left 13 American servicemen dead and left behind at least $7 billion worth of U.S. military equipment for the Taliban, the Islamic fundamentalist group that regained control in the country. House Republicans included uh, in addressing the catastrophic withdrawal in their commitment to America plan. Another area that's likely to come under investigation, the management of the Internal Revenue Service. Chuck Grassley led a, uh, a letter from Republicans on the State Finance Committee requesting that the Government Accountability Office investigate financial management at the Internal Revenue Service after Democrats' so-called Inflation Reduction Act bestowed $80 billion on the tax collection agency. Uh, if the uh, near $80 billion is spent out evenly over time for fiscal year 2023, the IRS will be receiving a supersized 57 percent boost relative to 2022. The committee's senators wrote such an outsized boost to agency funding derived from legislation developed and passed in partisan fashion. In our view, represents a high risk for waste, fraud, abuse and improper politicized utilization of taxpayer resources. The Republican senators are seeking information on what high-risk IRS issues identified previously by the Government Accountability Office remain outstanding and what significant deficiencies in internal controls continue after the IRS financial statements for fiscal year 21 and 2020. And finally, a possible impeachment. Some House Republicans have called for the impeachment of Biden. That seems far-fetched now, especially since McCarthy, the likely incoming Speaker of the House, hadn't shown any interest while he was a House minority leader. As Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi repeatedly pushed away calls for impeaching then-President Donald Trump from multiple members of the Democratic caucus. But after gaining a House majority in 2019, she gave in to pressure from the more adamant lawmakers in her caucus. In the House minority, Republicans have introduced 14 impeachment resolutions against either Biden or his cabinet officials. If an impeachment happens, some observers say it's more likely to happen with cabinet members, chiefly Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas or Attorney General Merrick Garland. Some of the things to anticipate January 3rd and beyond. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up later in the second hour of today's program, a conversation with Dr. Greg Jantz I had on his book, Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal. And also some thoughts, uh, Gary, um, oh, I can't even think of his name. It'll come to me. Anyway, on the marriage bill, an invitation for religious persecution. Tony Perkins is the name I'm trying to think of. Anyway, that's coming up in the second hour as well. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple, said the fiery senator at Georgetown University. We're talking about Chuck Schumer. Uh, immigration Law and Policy Conference. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration, which the American people overwhelmingly oppose, end quote. Well, frankly, it's hard to believe that a Georgetown uh, law, um, the border hawk, uh, is uh, in the door, much less invited him to speak, and he wasn't done. Above all else, and we're talking about Chuck Schumer selling amnesty and abortion to fix low birth rates. Abortion to fix low birth rates. Hmm. Um, above all else, the American people want their government to be serious about protecting the public, enforcing the rule of law, creating a rational system 
of Ill, of illegal immigration that will proactively fit our needs rather than reactively respond to future waves of illegal immigration. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens and should not be treated the same as people who enter the United States legally. The American people will never accept immigration reform unless they truly believe that their government is committed to ending future illegal immigration. Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio. Nope, that was Chuck Schumer back in 2009. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, things certainly have changed. How times have changed, or rather how Chuck Schumer has changed. Yesterday, the shape-shifting Senate Majority Leader found his way to mic- a microphone outside the U.S. Capitol and against a, um, a backdrop of, uh, of uh, props, began to lament our nation's low birth rate and thus the need for amnesty for the many millions of illegals already here. Now more than ever, he explained, we're short of workers. We have a a population that is not reproducing on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get uh, a path to citizenship for all 11 million of or however many undocumented there are here End quote same man, different message. Now, I find it absolutely fascinating that he's suggesting that the way to deal with uh, low birth rates is uh, to uh, legalize those who are in the country illegally without any consideration of those that we simply um, do away with out of convenience. 63 million Americans who were never allowed to be born, never allowed to grow up and be part of the American workforce that Senator Schumer claims to care so much about. With all this focus on immigration, though, we're missing an awful irony um, of his feigned concern about our nation's lower birth rate. You're funding Planned Parenthood to keep the native-born population smaller, noted Newsbusters executive director Tim Graham. Republican strategist Greg Price says they say that it, it's empowering to stay single forever and never start a family, claim having a kid destroys the environment, promote abortion as a moral good, and their solution when they realize people aren't having enough kids is to import the third world to replace them. This is, the, uh, this is what passes as logic on the subject. Well, President Joe Biden's $400 billion 2022 election uh, bribe, also known as student loan forgiveness, has been now stopped in its tracks on two fronts. First, in Texas, the federal district judge Mark Pittman, one of the uh, nearly 300 federal judges appointed by the uh, former president, ruled the initiative unconstitutional. The judge rejected the president's claim that the 2003 HEROES Act gives him authority to wipe out these loans. That act, per the judge, was about loan assistance for military persons uh, at um, or during a war or other emergencies. This does not uh, fit in that definition. The lawsuit was filed by the Job Creators Network Foundation on behalf of two students holding loans that didn't qualify for the relief, demonstrating the inequities of the initiative and the failure to provide the usual comment period for citizens to voice their concerns. Well, now in response to six states that have sued challenging the legality of this loan forgiveness program, a federal appeals court has issued an injunction blocking the program from moving forward. The Wall Street Journal called this loan write-off measure the largest presidential abuse of power in decades. Um, Star Parker has already written about the folly of this loan forgiveness program and points out that private debt markets in our country work extremely well regarding loan management and defaults. The problems arise, excessive defaults, when government gets in the business of providing loans which are 
inevitably constructed and targeted with political objectives. I'm looking here for a quote that I was going to reference earlier. It's uh, Walter Williams, one of my uh, favorites. He's an economist, and he wrote this. There is no moral argument that justifies using the coercive power of government to force one person to bear the expense of taking care of another. He was uh, speaking on a much broader scale in terms of um, how the public is coerced to pay for things that they are not responsible for, but it certainly applies here as well. Uh, The rule of law and the forgiveness, the student loan forgiveness gamut have collided, uh, collided rather, and we'll see what happens as a consequence as these courts are taking up the issue. Well, one question that's being asked, why didn't the FBI stop the events of January 6th? If the FBI knew weeks and months ahead of time about the planned violence that was to unfold at the Capitol on January 9th, 2021, why didn't the Bureau do something to stop it? Well, it's a great question, and the increasingly unavoidable answer is that the bureaucrats, uh, the Bureau rather, wanted to tattoo this awful episode to the current president and those who supported him as president. If anyone out there has another explanation for the bizarre inaction, I think the public is very interested in hearing that explanation. But as whether as for whether the Bureau knew in advance, that matter is uh, no longer open to dispute. As the New York Times, um, of all sources, finally reports, an FBI informant who was embedded for months in the inner circle of Stuart, uh, Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers militia, is likely to testify as a defense witness at the uh, a seditious conspiracy trial of Mr. Rhodes in connection with the attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021. The informant, Greg McWhorter, served as the Oath Keeper's vice president, but was secretly reporting to the FBI about the group's activities in the weeks and months leading up to the Capitol attack, according to two people familiar with the matter. Well, better than uh, uh Better than not, uh, we suppose, according to recent court filings, the FBI had up to eight informants embedded within the Proud Boys in the months leading up to the January 6th riot as well. Now, the Times also reported that during an impromptu hearing last Tuesday morning during the Oath Keepers trial, lawyers said that Mr. McWhorter had been taken off a plane while traveling to Washington to testify after suffering a heart attack. That unfortunate event kept McWhorter from taking a stand Uh, taking the stand as a defense witness, and it's unclear when he might be able to do so. We suspect the defense wishes him a speedy recovery. Um, Some smelled a rat uh, on January 6th, more than a year ago. That was when uh, about uh, it was written about a mysterious Ray Epps who kept telling crowds in advance of the riot, we need to go into the Capitol. Since then, we've been following the dogged reporting, Douglas Andrews writes, of Julie Kelly, who literally wrote the book on how the Democrats weaponized the J6 riot against Donald Trump and his supporters, as was uh, written about rather extensively. But it does raise a very interesting question why the FBI didn't take steps to prevent those events from unfolding when they had information that would have provided them sufficient resource to do just that. We're going to take a break. We'll continue winding our way through some of the news headlines. But in the second hour, a conversation with Dr. Greg Jans and a look at uh, the marriage bill that uh, some are suggesting Tony Perkins most recently is an invitation to persecute. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Sam Moppin is engineering. James Blend producing. Well, a mother's been arrested for getting her 10-year-old son a tattoo. 
when a New York boy showed up in school with a tattoo on his forearm asking for Vaseline from the school nurse. The nurse helped him and then called the police who arrested the boy's mother. The question is, why? Well, state law forbids tattoos for minors with or without parental consent. Dr. Cora Bruner, a pediatrician and professor at the University of Washington Medical Center's Seattle Children's Hospital, opined, I don't think kids under 18 have that kind of agency to make a decision. Indeed, what kind of mother would allow her child to make a permanent body-altering decision before that child is really able to fully understand that choice? We're asking on behalf of all those supposedly transgender kids who are headed for a lifetime of regret thanks to the abuse of their parents and the body-altering done by money-grubbing physicians who are willing to do it. We have quotes from some who are engaged in the um, industry suggesting that hmm, it's a moneymaker. Border crossings hit a record in October. The border is secure, assured DHS Secretary Mayorkas again this week. How secure? Well, 230,678 known border crossings last month set a new October record. Crossers include 12,034 unaccompanied minors, nine people of the terror watch list, massive quantities of uh, deadly drugs, more than 130,000 migrants from countries outside Mexico and the Northern Triangle, which shows this crisis has expanded its scope since the administration opened the borders in January of 21. More than 4 million migrants have been apprehended by the Border Patrol on his watch and another 1 million are known to have gotten away. How many got away without being known? But hey, the border is secure. Apparently, that um, has been redefined. A judge struck down Georgia's abortion ban, a peach state law banning abortion after a heartbeat can be detected at around sixth week gestation, has been blocked from a 2019, or rather from 2019, until taking effect in July after the Supreme Court's Dobbs ruling. Despite the court's ruling that there is, in fact, no right to abortion in the United States Constitution, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney he seems to still think there is, and he struck down Georgia's laws, law on Tuesday. When the law was written, he said it was unequivocally unconstitutional for governments, federal, state, or local, to ban abortions before viability. And yet the LIFE Act did just that. Therefore, he wrote, it did not become the law of Georgia when it was enacted, and it is not the law of Georgia now. Well, that's some pretty warped originalism that we doubt McBurney applies fairly in all cases. NBC News has suspended a Pelosi reporter. There's still some unanswered questions about the attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband of the House Speaker. NBC correspondent uh, Al Migur attempted to answer some of those questions and got suspended for it. He's not been seen on air since. One out of every 179 Americans will eventually be murdered if crime rates continue, a study finds. There's an encouraging bit of information. The Biden administration is providing taxpayer-funded abortion access for migrant youth. I'm not sure Schumer knows about that. He's counting on them to fill out the population here. An appeals court has blocked President Biden's student debt cancellation plan. The United States men's national team changed its crest to LGBTQ colors for the World Cup in gutter. Democrat billionaire Jeff Bezos is planning to lay off 10,000 Amazon employees and the world population hit 8 billion. Former Vice President Mike Pence laid out his vision for the Republican Party. Rick Scott took on Mitch McConnell in a bid for the Senate leadership, but failed. Parental rebellion paid off. Conservatives won school board seats all across the country. Religious leaders have gathered in Sinai to receive a new climate justice Ten Commandments. 
to receive from whom, one might ask. Well, the gathering coincided with the 40,000 attendees who have also flocked in their private jets to the Sinai Desert to attend the global COP27 climate conference. Quoting Genesis 1:26, climate activists, religious leaders claim uh, because the uh, nations are failing to solve the climate crisis, they have been called to lead the world in redeeming, restoring and sustaining God's creation. I'd like to begin with uh, God's creation in men and women who are without faith. But the new interfaith alliance, as it's being called, is wearing a few hats of truth into the old fabric of the Gaia worship. Even the Pope is weighing in. Be informed not misled. Well, the leaders from 20 countries at the G7 or rather the G20 summit signed a declaration which states they agree to adopt vaccine passports to facilitate all international travel. The current membership of the G20 accounts for more than 66 percent of the world's population and includes Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, Japan, India, Indonesia, Italy, Mexico, Russia, South Africa, Saudi Arabia, South Korea, Turkey, United Kingdom, United States, and the European Union. The two-day summit concluded in um, Bali, Indonesia, and consisted of talks between the G20 members' countries. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum chair, also attended the G20 Bali leaders' uh, declaratory signed by leaders from all the countries included a section, Section 23, on the facilitating uh, seamless international travel. It acknowledged the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods, which includes vaccine passports. It also includes the uh, leaders' support uh, continuing international dialogue and collaboration on the establishment of trusted global digital health networks that should capitalize and build on the success of the existing standard in digital COVID-19 certificates, end quote. Well, the declaration states we recognize the need for strengthening local and regional health product manufacturing uh, capabilities and cooperation, as well as sustainable global and regional research and development networks to facilitate better access to VDTs or rather VTDs globally. Uh, in partnership, especially in developing countries, and underscore the importance of public-private partnerships. So um, they have agreed, and I'm not sure what form this will take moving forward, that vaccine passports should be broadly implemented worldwide. Well, climbing the social ladder, a Clinton-linked dark money group targeted Twitter advertisers as Elon Musk took over the platform. Speaker Pelosi addressed her political future after Democrats lost control of the House, ending her 20-year reign as the leader of her party. She will stay in Congress representing her district. Saying we don't feel safe, a student has been punished for speaking out about a male in the girls' locker room. Voters spoke clearly. President Biden addressed the Republican victory after the party secured a projected House Majority by one, at least at this point, not going anywhere. Senator Mitch McConnell emerged from the Senate leadership vote with broad GOP backing, costing us elections. Paul Ryan says McCarthy will clinch the uh, speakership and anyone not named Trump can beat Biden. Taking a closer look, Dan Gaynor writes, NBC News must answer questions on the retracted Paul Pelosi attack story. Still some questions yet to be answered. Record turnout. Georgia's elections chief took a victory lap on MSNBC after a remarkable election turnout. You know, Jim Crow 2.0. A senator's frustration boiled over. A Democrat senator is frustrated over Yellen claiming no basis to probe the Elon Musk Twitter purchase. 
Looking to make a splash, the Bankman Freed Brothers boast about their uh, ties to Democrat power players. And show me the money. The FTX bankruptcy will offer a look behind crypto's dark curtain. An historic bust following the abrupt removal of a Lincoln bust, a statue. It's now been returned to Cornell. Republicans gained a majority in the House, officially controlling 218 House seats. And that's what it takes Republicans have 218 and 210 for Democrats. Republicans have had uh, uh, been stuck at 217 since Monday with several races still uncalled, mostly in California. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming here at the top of the hour. And in the second hour, a conversation with Dr. Greg Jantz and some final thoughts on uh, the marriage bill that uh, made its uh, first hurdle in the Senate. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend producing, Sam Moppin engineering. Coming up in our next couple of segments, Dr. Greg Jantz rebuilding trust after betrayal. Well, a federal judge blocked Title 42 utilization at the southern border. The federal judge issued the order on Tuesday. It bars federal authorities from using Title 42. It was a Trump-era rule that allowed the U.S. to expel migrants who crossed the border. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan said the policy is arbitrary and capricious and violates the Administrative Procedures Act in his ruling on Tuesday. Title 42 was originally enacted at the outset of the coronavirus pandemic in March of 2020, allowing for authorities to quickly expel migrants on public health grounds. Americans are feeling inflation pressures around Thanksgiving. Americans feeling inflation pinch better brace themselves for the cost of um, hosting Thanksgiving. I will be among them, which surged 20 percent since last year. The average cost for a family of uh, 10 this year, $64.05. That's a $10.74 increase or 20 percent increase from last year. Governor Whitmer looks to start her next term with gun control laws. Uh, It's on the docket for Michigan's Democratic leaders and lawmakers after the party boasted historic wins in the state's midterm elections last week. The Democratic governor told uh, news outlet Bridge, Michigan, that gun control is a top priority heading into her second term. Now the Democratic majorities in both chambers of the state legislature are secure. A Democrat D.A. in Philadelphia faces impeachment for his progressive policies. Philadelphia's elected Democratic prosecutor faces a state Senate trial and possible removal from office after the Republican-led state House voted Wednesday to impeach him over progressive policies he's enacted amid rising crime in the city. Lawmakers voted 107 to 85 to impeach the district attorney, setting the stage for what would be the first Pennsylvania Senate impeachment trial in nearly three decades. Dan Crenshaw has introduced legislation to crack down on cartels peddling drugs into the country. The legislating, uh, legislation rather being introduced by Representative uh, Crenshaw, the Republican out of Texas, on Wednesday would significantly ramp up federal penalties for those involved in Mexican cartels, including specifically targeting their enormous financial power as a response to the crisis at the southern border. The bill declaring a war on the Cartels Act would add the to existing language in the U.S. code that targets criminal street gangs in order to target transnational criminal organizations that are involved in smuggling drugs and uh, illegal migrants into the United States across the southern border. Former Vice President Mike Pence has refused to testify before the January 6th committee. 
The former vice president said he was closing the door on appearing before the House January 6th committee in the new interview, saying Congress has no right to his testimony. In an interview with CBS Face the Nation, moderator Margaret Brennan, part of which uh, parts of which were aired on Wednesday, the former vice president said he was concerned about the members all being appointed by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Elon Musk says he'll step aside and find someone to run Twitter. He uh, said on Wednesday, speaking to a Delaware judge, that he plans to reduce his time at Twitter and find somebody else to run it over time. Musk's recent uh, focus on uh, Twitter, which he took ownership of three weeks ago, has sparked frustration among Tesla investors. One of them is suing Musk over the size of his Tesla compensation package, and the Delaware hearing was part of that lawsuit. The company is in the midst of a major restructuring under Musk that has uh, pushed thousands of employers and contractors out. That was employees, rather. NASA launched the Artemis 1 rocket to the moon. Uh, NASA launched the massive Artemis uh, moon rocket early Wednesday, bringing the United States a step closer to landing on the lunar surface for the first time in 50 years since the end of the Apollo program. The Artemis 1 launch will send a, a new empty capsule around the moon for the first time in 50 years. The first test flight is expected to last four to six weeks and will end with a splashdown in the Pacific Ocean. According to the Senate, the pandemic is over. Joe Biden declared that the pandemic is over back in September. Now even 12 Senate Democrats agree, joining all 50 Republicans in the upper chamber to vote Tuesday to end the COVID national emergency declaration. Even Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was among them. Given that the president used the pandemic to justify his student loan giveaway, this presents a real problem for him in defending that unconstitutional action in court where he's already lost multiple times. Will another court reinstate his redistribution plan now that the Senate, including members of his own party, view his pandemic justification as no longer relevant? It is a uh, rhetorical question. San Francisco has a uh, trans plan. Nancy Pelosi's hometown has always been a bastion of uh, leftist sexuality um, policy from the free love to the 1960s to the transgender movement of today. Continuing that uh, history, San Francisco Mayor London Breed announced a new program, the Guaranteed Income for Trans People. According to the Daily Wire, the program is exclusive to transgender residents of the city and led by the Transgender District, a neighborhood of the uh, city uh, for transgender people. It will give 55 residents $1,200 a month for 18 months. Other taxpayers will be fleeced to provide free money to people who have uh, segregated themselves according to their own gender dysphoria. And I'm reminded once again of Walter Williams' quote, there is no moral argument that justifies using the coercive powers of government to force one person to bear the expense of taking care of another. A federal judge issued an order on Tuesday barring federal authorities uh, from using Title 42. A new NBC Bay Area report about the assault on Paul Pelosi last month includes several of the same details in the NBC News retracted national report that suggested Pelosi may not have been in immediate danger when police arrived prior to his attack. A House committee plans to investigate FTX, the collapse. The average Thanksgiving dinner cost surged about 20 percent. Since last year, and credit card debt jumps to a two-decade high. 25 um, were injured after a vehicle plowed into law enforcement recruits on their morning run in California, some very seriously injured. No suspect, no weapon in the killing of four University of Idaho students. A high school girl has been found guilty of bullying a male in the girl's locker room. 
Michigan parents sued their school board for allowing pornographic books in school. A new vaccine targets fentanyl and may offer a route back to sobriety. Not clear how a vaccine is going to address fentanyl, but there you have it. The world's major greenhouse gas emitters are uh, falling short of climate goals, and YouTube flagged a real video of the official world government summit as a conspiracy theory. So much for a discernment. A hot mic catches Xi Jinping berating Justin Trudeau over leaks at the G20. Well, on this day in history, 1800, Congress holds its first session in the partially completed U.S. Capitol building. 1869, the Suez Canal opens in Egypt. 1889, the Union Pacific Railroad Company begins direct daily railroad service between Chicago and Portland, as well as Chicago and San Francisco. 1947, President Harry S. Truman, in an address to a special session of Congress, calls for emergency aid for Austria, Italy and France. The aid would be approved the following month. 1973, President Richard Nixon tells the Associated Press managing editors in Orlando, Florida, people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook, end quote. 1979, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini orders the release of 13 black and female American hostages being held at the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. 1987, a federal judge in Denver convicted two white supremacists of civil rights violations and the 1984 slaying of radio talk host Alan Berg. 1997, six people, most of them foreign tourists, are killed when militants open fire at the temple of Hashepsut Luxor. I should say in Luxor, Egypt, the attackers are killed by police. 2001, the Taliban confirms the death of Osama bin Laden's military chief, Mohammed Atef, in an airstrike three days earlier. 2003, Arnold Schwarzenegger is sworn in as the 38th governor of California. 2006, former Seinfeld star Michael Richards unleashed a barrage of racial epithets during a stand-up routine at a laugh factory in West Hollywood. He's barely been seen or heard from since. And finally, on this day in history, 2017, the Reverend Jesse Jackson discloses that he has been receiving outpatient care for two years for Parkinson's disease. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, Dr. Greg Jantz, Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Say a best friend undermines you. A spouse is in, um, engages in infidelity. A relative steals from your family. Betrayal strikes at the core of our capacity to trust. It crushes our belief that a person we love could hurt us. Well, in a little book called Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal, Dr. Gregory Jans, he offers expert advice for people wondering, can this relationship be saved? Well, Dr. Jans takes you step by step through how to rebuild trust after betrayal. The same healing grace that knits broken bones and restores us to strength after illness is well able to reconcile wounded hearts and renew love for one another. Well, Dr. Gregory Jans is the founder of The Center, a place of hope in Edmonds, Washington. He was voted a top 10 facility for depression treatment in the United States. Dr. Jans pioneered whole person care in the 1980s and is a world-renowned expert on depression, anxiety, eating disorders, technology, addiction, and abuse. He is an innovator in the treatment of mental health, utilizing a variety of therapies, including nutrition, sleep therapy, spiritual counseling, and advanced DBT technology. Dr. Jans is a best-selling author of 40 books, 
and a go-to media authority on mental and behavioral health afflictions, appearing on a number of uh, national networks. Well, today we have him right here on KPDQ to talk about his very helpful uh, little book, Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal, Hope and Help for Broken Relationships. Dr. Jans, thanks so much for uh, joining us once again. Hey, it's good to hear your voice and to be with you today. It's, it's a hard topic. It is a hard topic, and yet it's one that will touch virtually all of our lives at one point or another. What led you to take up this topic at this time to help us kind of walk through what can be one of the most painful events in uh, the life of a relationship? Well, I think there is a lot of distrust out there. There's been a lot of hurt. And as you're right, most of us can really relate to this. We've all had a situation where maybe we thought we had a super trusting friend or a loved one, and something happened, and the word I'll use is traumatic. It was traumatic, and it was betrayal, and trust was broken, and betrayal is one of those emotions that throws you into shock. It's like, what? And and then you go from shock to anger to disbelief to feeling enraged, feeling depressed, and it, it's the whole range of emotions. And said, it ahead. comes in different forms. Please go on. No, I just, betrayal comes in different forms. Sometimes we think in terms of fidelity in a marriage, that's certainly betrayal, but it could be a broken trust in a relationship, maybe an employer. Um, or something happened in the workplace where there was betrayal. You suggest that betrayal is a form of trauma and that trauma is never compartmentalized, that it spills out in all directions and it affects us in ways that we may not even be fully aware. Exactly. Because it may teach us. Here's, you know, here's the, Georgine, the issue, it may teach us not to trust people. Mm-hmm. Nobody, I can't trust anybody, and therefore I won't. And we kind of have that position. And we end up being uh, handicapped in relationships. Uh, we don't allow ourselves to have close or intimate relationships anymore because I'm going to be betrayed. It happened to me before. And so we put up all these guards because we don't want to ever experience that pain again. Reconciliation, is that the ultimate goal when there has been betrayal? Uh, What do we seek at the end of the experience that somehow reconciles the the events that uh, have traumatized us? What's the goal? Well, let me say that reconciliation is not always possible, and it probably is not really the end goal, because uh, sometimes a person, maybe that you've been really hurt, but maybe they turn it and they blame you. They go, well, I wouldn't have done that. It was really your fault. You caused me to do that behavior. And so the tables got turned. And uh, so that's not reconciliation. And you just got re-victimized. So the goal is not to carry around that pain where it turns into resentment. It turns into embitterment. And where it's really self-destructive to you. That's the goal, to be free of that, which requires forgiveness. It does require forgiveness, which it seems to me is sort of a, a supernatural thing, given the depth of some levels of, of betrayal. You write about the aftershock of betrayal. What should we expect, kind of the fallout, as we're 
living through the, the fallout and are even contemplating what to do next? Well, as we live through it, and, and let me just say, um, take a pause, allow the time. There's a grieving. There's a grieving of a loss of a relationship. And be careful. Our, our tendency is to do something that's self-destructive. Uh, turn to alcohol, turn to misuse of prescription drugs, escape in some form of unhealthy behavior because we want to feel a different way. That's one thing. And the other is really to understand I'm going to grow through this and with God's help, I'm going to grow stronger and I am not going to pick up that excess luggage of hurt and resentment and carry that into my future. Those are decisions. Sometimes we need help with that. It's so overwhelming. And it just we need help to figure out how to do that. And that's where an appropriate uh, counselor could step in. But we need to remember, wow, I am not going to let this be poison to my future. You refer to the foundations of healthy relationships as being trust and respect. When those are gone, what's the consequence? If I don't have trust in you, I will not have a close relationship. I will have suspicion. I will probably, if I don't have trust, I'm going to be on the blame side probably. And I don't have anything solid to stand on. If I have trust, I have the confidence to know that even, let's say, with a spouse, okay, uh, I'm going to have the courage to tell the truth because I know my spouse loves me. I don't have to have the fear of rejection. My spouse, if I made a mistake, I may, and maybe it hurts, but um, I have the strength of the relationship, and I am going to build on that by telling the truth. What are the essential ingredients for rebuilding trust after betrayal? That has to be one of the most difficult things to do because you presumably had trust before the betrayal and the possibility of, of future disappointment always looms. Where do you start? Yeah, where do you start? Oh, and it can, first of all, it can feel so overwhelming. I'm over. No, I really can't have um, a relationship. It just feels so overwhelming. Well, one is we do have to put some time, allow some time to pass, but we've got to keep ourselves growing, keep ourselves in a growth mindset, keep ourselves growing spiritually. Um, And as you trust your relationship with Christ, it's going to allow you to build into other people's lives. As you take, and I think sometimes they're baby steps, they're small risk, as you plug into a group, um, perhaps a, a, a group that could be appropriate um, for you, as you begin to re-socialize, okay? Because if we're hurt, we pull away from people. We tend to isolate, and we tend to pull away. And I'm really saying, you know what? Okay, you're wounded, and we need healing, but I have to also re-engage and re-engage in relationships. 
You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, talking with Dr. Greg Jantz, his latest book, Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal. And it's possible for that to be the case, hope and help for broken relationships. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment, so stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with Dr. Greg Jans, author of Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal. We had a, a question from a caller who asked, if you suspect a loved one, a spouse, for example, is involved in activity that is uh, betrayal, but is unwilling to acknowledge it or to admit it, what's the, the right course to take? This can be very uh, challenging when we're not sure if we're the victim of betrayal, but we suspect. Yeah, and one of the things that happens is we develop a high suspicion. And I think one of the things then um, we need to be very careful because um, we want to make sure that we're not living in such a hyper-anxiety state that we start to see things that are not there. That can happen too. But there comes a time where we need to voice and confront our concerns. And there's a time where you say, I'm noticing some things. Um, Can I talk to you about it? So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for permission to talk about it. The next thing I'm going to do is be careful how I choose my words. Um, But I can believe that um, I'm concerned that I'm seeing some things and I need to talk to you about it. Can you tell me what's going on? Now, you probably noticed that the second question was not a yes or no question. My first question was, I'm asking permission to talk about something. The person will say yes. My second question is a question, can you please help me understand and tell me what is going on? And, and I, I'm going to pause and listen. And they, maybe, maybe somebody starts to confess something. I'm not going to interrupt them. I'm going to let them talk, and I'm going to continue asking questions. Be careful about why questions. Why or how could you ever do this? Um, Continue to ask questions um, that really uh, gather more information, like um, can you tell me anything more about this? And just first our goal is to listen, and sometimes there's denial, and sometimes we get truth in small, small teaspoons of truth. And the full truth doesn't come till later. Um, But make sure as well that you have somebody that you can talk to. Is it a counselor? Is it a pastor? But somebody that is in your court that also can give you feedback. Uh, We don't want to go this alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how can a victim of betrayal ever know for sure if a betrayer has genuinely changed? There's always that, and you sort of referenced that in your answer to the uh, listener's question, but there can be that nagging doubt. How is it possible to, to know for sure that a betrayer has genuinely changed? Or is that the goal? Well, um, the betrayer who asks for forgiveness, number two, will show remorse. And number three is willing to do whatever it takes to rebuild trust, including the time necessary. When I have sincere remorse, and I whatever it may be, maybe I know need to go and get some help. Uh, maybe I'm I need to be committed to some Christian counseling. Maybe I've got to uh, do some things that are going to rebuild trust over time. It's not 
instantly given. In fact, you write about um, healing as a process rather than an event. There is no magic pill. It's a process that can be difficult, challenging, but it will take time. Absolutely. It will take time. And it will take um, time and there will probably be bumps in the road. Because remember, betrayal, there's the initial going through everything and the initial shock, and then three months pass, and you think, oh, I'm, I'm over it, and then those emotions hit you again. And you go, wow, where did that come from? Because uh, betrayal, there can be people, situations, but things that re-trigger, and really it's that post-traumatic stress that's being re-triggered. You refer to... Um... Uh, the fact that betrayal never happens in a vacuum. What do you mean by that? And are you suggesting that the person who has been betrayed bears some responsibility? Can you explain what you meant by that? Well, there is usually more to the story, okay? It never excuses wrong behavior. Um, And we, a person who made it, let's say a person made a decision, they had an affair. That's always wrong. That's never, ever right. Now, there may be some things that led up to that, but that was still a decision that person made and not a healthy or right decision. That in mind, we need to remember that um, there were some things that happened that led up to that betrayal. Unmet needs. Uh, Maybe something happened in the past to this person. Uh, There was a vulnerability. So it just doesn't happen instantly and all at once. How important are choosing good boundaries in uh, moving forward in a relationship? Very important. Boundaries are uh, part of the guardrails that keep us healthy. It's part of the guardrails that will keep us healthy. And what we're saying by that is we need to protect ourselves. And a boundary is not about punishing. It's uh, a boundaries can be confusing. A boundaries is about uh, keeping a relationship clean. A boundary is about uh, a lo- not allowing things that are inappropriate to enter in. So keep keep that in mind. And by the way, um, we always re- if we don't work through betrayal, it will lead us down a path of resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness. It's not a good path to stay on. If we deal with, and we'll regret it. If we deal and work through the painful, painful process of betrayal, um, we will grow stronger and we will not regret it. We're talking about the book Rebuilding Trust After Betrayal, Hope and Help for Broken Relationships. And my guest is Dr. Gregory Jans. Um, He is uh, the author of some 40 books, host of a national radio program, regular contributor to Psychology Today, and much, much more. He's also the founder of The Center, A Place of Hope in Edmonds, Washington. What advice do you give about regaining emotional equilibrium, and what does that look like? Yeah, emotional, that's that's getting rebalanced. That's getting renewed. That's getting reset, Mm -hmm. and it's a a process. That's um, doing a checkpoint is anger, fear, and guilt. Um, are those toxic emotions? Am I dealing with those appropriately? So, yes, we can do this. Um, those are the three deadly emotions that you have to look for when there's been betrayal. A lot of anger, rage. Does it keep coming back? 
Do I get full of anxiety and fear that I'm staying away from people in relationships? Uh, Or am I carrying a lot of guilt that this whole thing was my problem? That's called false guilt. Our our listeners um, who are in the midst of discovering a betrayal, who are uh, trying to recover from uh, and restore a relationship, as you mentioned earlier, not all situations warrant the rebuilding of trust, but in cases where the uh, the situation, the relationship warrants um, reconciliation. How can they find your book and help in to in their efforts to rebuild relationship? Well, um, should be the book should be available wherever your favorite books are. <laughs> so, and visit me at aplaceofhope.com. That's another way you can get a book. A place of hope.com. Well, I so appreciate your making resources like this available uh, to help people think through and ultimately walk through a situation that can be very painful and, as you point out, traumatizing, but are recoverable. And also how to apply wisdom in a situation to determine whether or not rebuilding trust is warranted, because as you point out, there are situations where that may not uh, be the case. Uh, thank you so much for your work and for talking with us today about your latest on rebuilding trust after betrayal. Good to be with you today. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Again, the book is uh, available um, and it's published by Aspire Press. It should be easily available, but you can also be in touch with uh, Dr. Jans for more information about the work that he is doing and other resources that might be helpful. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, we've all heard about the, uh, well, many of us have heard about the uh, the marriage bill that is uh, that was voted on, a preliminary vote in uh, the Senate yesterday, but I wanted to share with you again some of the concerns that um, Christian leaders around the country are expressing regarding the bill and its impact. It won't have much impact on uh, same-sex marriage. It will continue as it always has, as uh, the Supreme Court permitted, but it does have an impact in other areas. Tony Perkins writes on the subject, and he makes the point that we've all heard of people being canceled, thrown off social media, even fired from jobs. But how many years before a Christian minister who speaks on marriage and sexual orientation is reported to a government anti-terrorism program? Well, it may sound far-fetched, but we're not that far off. For Reverend Dr. Barnard Randall, that time had already come. He was the chaplain of a Church of England school. He was suspended, fired for gross misconduct and reported to Child Protective Services simply for restating what the Church of England believes. It's okay to believe it, apparently, but not to say it out loud. If his story sounds like a a distant outlier, it's not. His nightmare will be every Christian's nightmare if the Senate passes the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, is he overstating the situation? Let him make the case. I was doing my job as per uh, the job description. That's what Reverend Dr. Bernard Randall said. A room full of religious liberty advocates were gathered this July. Yet for being a Christian in a Christian school, he was painted as a potential violent extremist who might draw others into violent extremism. Well, this despite the U.K. Human Rights Act that declares everyone has the right to freedom of thought, conscience and religion. How long is it going to take for this to happen in the United States, he asked. Is it under President Joe Biden? Is it under a second term of Biden-Harris? Is it under some other president? Well, if congressional Democrats get their way, it's happening now. 
Yesterday, the U.S. Senate voted on a bill that supporters are insisting is just an affirmation of the same-sex marriage status quo. Senator, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer tells it uh, his party simply wants to cement Obergfell's 2015 redefinition of marriage into federal law. Well, if only that were the case, not only is this language um, light years more radical than the justices uh, ruling seven years ago, cracking down on parents, charities, adoption agencies, teachers, Christian schools, counselors and Bible believing professionals. The government would be declaring open season on anyone who believes and expresses that belief in marriage as it's always been the union of a man and a woman. As a former commissioner and chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, Tony Perkins says he's uh, seen the warning signs of this gathering like clouds across the Atlantic. As the mainstream culture moves further and further away from a Christian worldview, he's witnessed the hostility to moral truth creep closer and closer to our shores. The West, once the safe haven of free speech and religion, is turning cold to the foundations that made our country thrive. In a report released this July, the Family Research Council tracked 99 incidents of government attacks on religious freedom against Christians or Christian institutions across 14 Western countries in the last two years alone. What will it say in two more if um, America is uh, considering fair, considered rather fair game by a Justice Department for their views on natural marriage? Under this bill, they're sitting ducks, prime targets for government investigation, prosecution, even civil action. He's referring to H.R. 8404 is a, um, a stick of dynamite, as he describes it, in the hands of the left. It would supercharge the attacks, the marginalization and the oppression of people of faith and anyone who believes in marriage as human history defines it. Randall came to Washington to warn America that this was possible. My story sends a message to other Christians that you are not free to talk about your faith, he cautioned. It seems it is no longer enough to just tolerate LGBT ideology. You must accept, embrace, endorse, promote without question and no debate is allowed without serious consequences, end quote. Of course, Senate Democrats insist the threat to religious freedom that's uh, held uh, up the bill this summer has uh, has been fixed. Well, that fix, which is a few flimsy sentences clarifying that institutions won't be forced to perform actual wedding ceremonies, does nothing to resolve the hammer this legislation takes in uh, to everyday people. It doesn't protect the worker who doesn't want to be coerced to celebrate Pride Month. It's not going to protect the parent who says, I don't want my children indoctrinated with this curriculum. If anything, the misnamed Respect for Marriage Act will accelerate the persecution that we've seen in the last seven years to a level no one ever dreamed of. Pavli Rasanen uh, learned the hard way that religious freedom laws are virtually worthless in the face of the secular mobs. The Finnish parliament, he was a member, uh, could still be sent to jail. He was a member of the uh, parliament for daring to tweet a Bible verse about sexuality in a country whose constitution states everyone has the freedom of religion and conscience. Well, like America, Finland is a European liberal democracy that ostensibly promises its citizens basic human rights, such as freedom of speech, religion, assembly, equality under the law, and property rights, among others. But as Representative Chip Roy, a Republican out of Texas, uh, and Tony Perkins cautioned, the Finnish government seems to have forgotten these core values. How long until American lawmakers are similarly prosecuted? 
Well, my years of international advocacy, he goes on to write, include a powerful defense of the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which affirms the ability to manifest his religion or belief in teaching, practice, worship and observance. And yet, if that declaration passed unanimously and 192 countries now recognize the exercise of religious freedom as a fundamental human right, why was a commission created to track the abuses of religious liberty? Because many governments give mere lip service to this fundamental freedom. Case in point, few would see Turkey as an enemy of freedom until Pastor Andrew Brunson, who uh, returned to the United States after serving time in prison for two, uh, two years, was imprisoned uh, in Turkey. In Turkey, as in Finland, the UK and the US, the Constitution is clear. Everyone has the freedom of conscience, religious uh, uh, belief and conviction. My experience at the US Commission of International Religious Freedom and around the world, for which I am uh, immensely grateful, has shown me that religious freedom's greatest threat is not a military force that eradicates or suppresses religious freedom, although that has certainly occurred. The greatest threat are policies like the so-called Respect for Marriage Act being considered by the United States Senate. They are what curtail the exercise of religious freedom, which leads not to a violent overthrow of this fundamental freedom, but to its systematic suppression and eventual loss. America must understand we cannot promote abroad what we will not protect at home, including freedom. Just a caution. The preliminary vote uh, was taken and it will continue to move through the Senate. It passed the House some months ago. Well, we are out of time. I do want to thank James Blend for producing, Sam Maupin for engineering today's program, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We'll share this week's Christian Outlook, a look at the lighter side of the news, as well as the day's headlines. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.